Welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast with business strategist, speaker and author, Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Hey, Gavin here, Business Mastermind Podcast and the Revive season of the Business Mastermind Podcast. Today, uh, passing your seatbelts, this is going to be a, a really thought-provoking conversation about generational dis- differences and specifically about how employers, business owners, managers um, best need to engage or can engage with Generation Z or Gen Z um, to get the most talent and the most benefit from those. And today we're speaking to Hannah Williams. Hannah is uh, the author. She's done a huge amount of research, an author of A Leader's Guide to Unlocking Gen Z, Unlocking Gen- Generation Z. And um, she's um, done a huge amount of research, spoken to a lot of people all over the world in part of this work. Um, she's a speaker, author, and consultant in the field, and she helps leaders recruit, retain, and lead Gen Z talent as a competitive advantage. Hannah, welcome to the Business Mastermind podcast. Thank you, Gavin. I'm really glad to be here this morning. So your book is due out 31st of August. Um, first of all, before we go, we're going to talk about the differences between millennials and Generation Z. Uh, I don't know, there's some people who are going to be listening to this that uh, possibly could blur the two generations together, but that would be a mistake to do so. So uh, we'll talk about the difference between that. We're going to talk about how, as an employer, as a manager, as a team leader, as an entrepreneur, how that maybe he's older uh, than, than the Gen Z, how you can jump into their shoes and appreciate how they see the world and therefore how best to engage with them. And importantly, we're going to be talking about how you can harness Generation Z, the Gen Z, as an engine for reinvigoration and energy in your own business. But before all of that, Hannah, tell us your story. How did you get this fascination? I know you are a living, breathing example of Gen Z, but tell us the story about how you got fascinated studying it and studying the impact and the differences in the workplace culture. Gavin, this is a very interesting story. It goes way back to, well, I say way back. It was only about a decade ago, way back in my life. I'm 23. (laughs) I'm a Gen Zer myself. And my story started way back when I was 12. So I'm I'm growing up here in North Carolina. I'm in the US. And being from a large family, I was I'm the oldest of seven children. My dad was an entrepreneur ever since I can remember, um, ever since I was born. He owned a, a martial arts studio when I was about two, and then eventually transitioned into real estate. So at age 12, I was a studious student. I'm in the back of his, you know, blue Ford pickup truck. We're bouncing down the highway. And in that time, we, we went physically around to collect rents from different tenants. So we're going around in his pickup truck and I'm sitting there doing my homework. Well, he hands me his cell phone out of the blue and he says, hey, Hannah, uh, there's a guy on the, on the end of this line. The phone is ringing and you're going to close the deal on this house. And I took this phone. I fumbled through the call. Sure enough, there's a guy at the end of the line. He had a duplex for sale and I had no clue what I was doing, but I fumbled through it and we ended up closing on that duplex in about two weeks Amazing. from then. So from a very early age, my, my dad really, 
<laughs> he did, yeah. What, what he, did he that do to it. yourself? I'm interrupting you in the middle of you telling the story, which I apologise, but I'm just fascinated. I want to probe. What did that do to your self-confidence and self-esteem and image of what's possible in that moment as a 12-year-old? Well, first it broke it and then it built it. (laughs) (laughs) It was was an eye-opening experience. I realized how little I knew about the world in that moment. And then I realized how much support I had if I wanted to learn it. And you know what's interesting, Gavin, is my story, you know, I tell this story to Um, many people I speak with because, you know, it really resonates, especially with Gen Xers and and boomers who are seeing, you know, their kids and their grandkids and remembering they did a lot of things that may have not been, you know, the same story, but they raised them in very similar ways to think about not not only the world's possibilities, but also for Gen Zers uh, teaching their Gen Z children that the world is not an easy place. You know, you have to work for things and work hard. And I remember in that moment, feeling extremely incapable and then realizing my dad was there and that if I stumbled, he was going to support me. And it actually threw me into this world of business research. And I started reading books. Um, I picked up next the, the secrets of power negotiating by Roger Dawson. I was fascinated with it. And, you know, to continue the story there, he, my dad found me reading you know, business books by, you know, I I started reading, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and and all of those um, financial management principles, et cetera. And he found me reading those one day and said, you know what, I don't think you really want to pursue a traditional education path, do you? And I I said, no, you know, I'm a self-starter. I wish I could just get through college faster. So we ended up uh, enrolling, or my parents ended up helping me enroll in online university. So I ended up starting my bachelor program when I was 14, and then graduated at 18 with my international business degree. And again, this was all coming from not just my own self-motivation, but also my parents saying, you know what, you don't have to take the traditional route that everyone else does. And I'm so grateful to them that they pushed me in that direction. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a Jet X and I'm looking at my two boys and certainly one of them I don't think a university would be a fit for. And I remember actually uh, not so long back meeting a 17-year-old young lady who had chosen not to go to university and the same amount of money that her parents may have um, paid to help her get through university, they paid for going to court property training courses, to go to like Rich Dad, Poor Dad training courses, Tony Robbins, all that speaker training courses. And this young lady was incredibly confident, capable, already owned multiple properties, was making money. And I just thought she's better set up for the world of having that spend money spent in that way than she would have been going to a three-year degree. That was what was quite an impact it had on me, that realization at that time. Exactly. And I think, I mean, the, the data is showing us, and we'll get into this when we talk about the differences between Gen Z and millennials, the data is showing us that that is not atypical for my generation, that parents are actually pushing us toward better use of resources and time. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, It actually ended up pushing me after, so I graduated at 18 with my international business degree, and I ended up immediately entering the world of consulting. So I had actually interned, and this is how I got into speaking about Gen Z and, and being so passionate about Um, helping companies to attract, recruit, retain, and engage my generation. 
it, so I, I went to work at a wonderful company here in the U.S. It's uh, Biltmore, and Biltmore is a luxury hospitality provider. It's an enormous estate um, that actually George Vanderbilt, through his travels in Europe, uh, came up with this idea of this massive mansion. Um, anyway, so he built it in the mountains of Asheville, which is my hometown. And Biltmore has grown into much more than just an attraction. It's also, we have a winery on property. There's, um, there's sustainability activities and farming that occurs. And then there's a, a division that I ended up working for, which is the Center for Professional Development. So I spent the time between, you know, I was about 17 until I was 21, traveling across the country and consulting financial companies, healthcare businesses, education firms in how to take the principles of luxury hospitality and integrate them into their companies as a competitive advantage. So you you can imagine me, I'm 18 years old, you know, I'm sitting around the bar with these Gen X and boomer leaders from these companies. I'm sipping my sparkling water because I can't drink any, you know, I can't drink wine yet. So I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting there with my little sparkling water. And all of these leaders kept saying, you millennials, you're so hard to retain and I can't seem to keep you. And every time that I turn around, you want six weeks of paternity leave and it's only your second week at my company. What is your problem? And I just remember thinking as a Gen Zer myself at the time, I didn't really identify, you know, one way or the other. I remember thinking none of this really resonates with me. You know, the challenges they're talking about, I don't see myself or other people my age really exhibiting the same behaviors. So I started digging into this research and realizing there is a massive misunderstanding about millennials and Gen Zers and where they differ. But not only that, companies are spending millions of dollars in recruiting and retention efforts that are millennial based practices, but they're trying to use them on Gen Z and wondering why it's failing. So I thought, wow, you know, what, what an opportunity to help companies shift gears now so that they can remain viable businesses for the next, you know, if, if, if companies don't start thinking about talent strategy for Gen Z now, in 15 years, they're gonna start just reacting instead of being proactive. And by that point, it's gonna be too late. Well, let's get some basics. Um... Ages of you know birth years, so the difference to when somebody will be classed as a millennium or a Gen Z. So you're a millennial if you were born between what dates? So a millennial is. Um, so let's let's talk about Gen Z first. So Gen Z yeah. is pretty much between 1995 and 2012. We're still trying to decide the cutoff date, but it's basically yeah. if if you're 25 this year or younger, then you are Gen Zer. Millennials are going to be from 1980 to 1995. So you, you know, if you think about, you know, ask yourself the question, are you a millennial or Gen Zer? Um, in America, at least, you're asking yourself the question, did 9-11, the attack on 9-11, did that define your childhood? Was that something you remember? And right. most Gen Zers would say they don't even remember it. I, yeah. I, you know, I was, I guess, three at the time. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't remember the, I don't, I don't remember international terrorism or that idea being a, yeah. you know, a huge part of my childhood. I remember exactly where I was stood the moment I saw the first TV pictures of the tower, Twin Towers. So, yeah, that's yeah. So that's a that's a, a a landmark in time, isn't it? Where for you to be able to make that distinction. So let's go through some of the differences between Gen Z and Millennials. Yes. Yeah, so there are five key differences that we can talk about today. 
um, and I'll, I'll list them and we can dive into a little bit more. So the first one is the difference between, uh, when, between Gen Z and millennials is this idea of pragmatism versus idealism. So we'll dig into that in a second. And then the second is that Gen Z may be tech natives, but we're not tech lovers. And that's the big, a big distinction between Gen Z being the world who is brought into this digital world versus millennials who stumbled into it as it was created. Um, number three is that Gen Zers are more open to non-traditional education pathways than their millennials, um, millennial predecessors were. And there's a whole lot of factors that go into that. But essentially, 62% of Gen Zers polled last year said they were open to trade or skilled-based training versus only 23% of millennials. So that, you know, you've got a huge difference there. And then number four is this idea that Gen Z is actually a much more loyal generation when it comes to companies. So we'll talk about the statistics there, but we all know millennials get the bad rap of being the job hopping generation. Um, and Gen Z is not that, at least that's what we're seeing right now. And then the fifth characteristic is Gen Z's focus on individualism versus teamwork. And there's pros and cons to that, but it's, it's something gen, that, that leaders of Gen Z need to be aware of. Pragmatism versus idealism. Number one, let's start with that one. Yes. So this is a, a, a very interesting distinction between, between Gen Z and what happened with millennials. And it really comes down to parenting. So when boomers raised millennials, there was this idea, you know, as technology began to change and the pace of change grew faster, uh, millennials were raised by their parents to really think of the world as, as a, an open space for them to accomplish anything they wanted, right? There was this idea, I, th I think of the, the Disney motto of, you know, a wish is a dream your heart makes. You know, it's this idea that you could, you could view the world idealistically and really do whatever you wanted to, which in a sense, that was a very positive way of parenting, right? But then millennials hit the workforce and they realized that life is hard and yeah, 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 that yeah, created yeah. job hopping, right? Because they're never contented to be, to land somewhere. Now I would say there's some positives that come out of that. You know, there's a lot of entrepreneurs born out of the millennial generation who said, you know, I, I don't want to work for someone else. I want to go out on my own. Now you jump to Gen Z and Gen X parents like my dad were much more practical, right? They still, they didn't tell their kids you know, there's, you, you can't do anything, but they certainly instilled in us a sense that hard work is necessary to get where you want to go. And statistically speaking, this was much more prevalent in the parenting strategy of Gen X versus the boomer par parents. So this has really created a generation that basically sees the world as, a, as a, a great place of opportunity, but also recognizes that it's really, really hard to get places. And, and what that has done, Gavin, and this would be very important for business owners to hear, is it's created a generation that desires stability and comfort. So this may be kind of uh, backwards if you, if you think about, you know, if you try to group millennials and Gen Zers together. Yeah, yeah, it's almost polar opposites. It is. Yeah. I mean, you think about Gen Z growing up in the world of COVID and having gone through, you know, two economic recessions in our young years already, 
we're exhibiting a lot of behavior similar to the silent generation where we, you know, we went, they, they in, in their years went through world wars. We in our young years have gone through economic recession. And so when we look at a company, we're much more focused on things like healthcare and benefits. We want stability versus the millennial generation who, you know, in a sense could not care less about some of those things. Yeah. So that in, in terms of getting practical on this first step, companies that are looking to attract Gen Z are going to need to do a lot of thinking and uh, research or, you know, working with someone who understands this to think about how do we shift our benefits and our messaging to show Gen Zers that we care about their long-term stay with our company and their, you know, holistic life habits. Right. And when you're talking about um, loyalty, I I know it's jumping around a little bit, but number four was Gen Z, um, they're more loyal. The reason why I jumped there is you talk about stability. So how does that link to the more loyal? Yes. So, so point four, talking about, you know, loyalty versus job hopping. So Generation Z, um, and, and the statistics here are really interesting, 61% of Gen Z is saying that we'd want to stay with a company for 10 or more years if the culture and the the team is suitable to our needs and we feel valued. So, you know, you contrast that with millennials. Yeah. (laughs) It's It's almost like it's gone gone around a full cycle where you would have had with, um, what was the generation pre-baby boomers? You know, the war. Uh, The silent generation. Silent generation. You, uh, you you pretty much had one, if not uh, at most two co- employers your whole lifetime. Often you would you would start out of school working for for one organization, and you would be there until um, until you retired. Exactly. Yes. So you had a generation, you know, that that came up in that sort of mindset. So you had the, the boomers and the, and the silent generation thinking that way, right? You, you get a job, you stay there until you retired. And Gen Z is not the same way in that sense. We are not a generation who will stay at a company just for the sake of it. And we'll get into those differences later. But if you compare just millennials and Gen Zers, we tend a whole lot more toward the, the silent generation or the boomers methodology with staying mm. with a company. Um, than the millennials did. And again, this comes from the, you know, the economic factors that surrounded our childhood. It comes from the, um, the fact that social media is so prevalent nowadays that we've, we've experienced starting, you know, really young, uh, being bullied online. We've experienced, we're the most anxious generation um, that has that has ever existed to this point, and and you know we could we could jump into root causes and all that, but that's a separate conversation. Um, but statistically speaking, we we are the most anxious, and so when work when workplaces want to support us and and support our needs, they need to recognize we're you know we're there for the long haul if their culture is something that we resonate with, and of course the the if is the huge piece there, but don't. My, my call to leaders in, in thinking about the loyalness of Gen Z is don't assume we want to leave every, you know, six months or every year. Don't assume when you hire a Gen Zer that they're going to leave. Assume they're going to stay and then build your policy and your culture around loyalty. But isn't that fascinating? Because that's very different from many employees' experience with millennials. 
so you, are you are you suggesting that actually the your policies internally you have to have different sets of policies by uh, and certainly by recruitment and um incentives and benefits etc by virtue of the generation of the employee kind of so so let's let's do a little bit of distinction here so my suggestion to companies would be to think about it this way gen zers are more particular about companies than even millennials were or than Gen Xers were. And by particular, I mean, we are going to be extremely skeptical about anything we see in a company, whether it's, you know, them walking, not walking the walk and talking the talk, but, you know, uh, going against what they, what they say or what they believe in with their actual actions. We're going to be skeptical of that. Um, I mean, you, anyone who's a parent here probably knows if you have Gen X or Gen Z kids that they're going to be the first ones to question anything, um, to, you know, to point out hypocrisy. They're, they're going to be the first ones to point out when someone's lying. Yeah. And what this has done, so to answer your question directly about, you know, policies, I'm not necessarily suggesting that a company shift and have different policies for different generations. Of course, you could run into a whole series of, of issues there with you know, equal treatment and whatnot. But what I am suggesting is that you begin to build policies for Generation Z and they will resonate with other generations. So taking benefits as an example, let's, let's think about this one way. One of the, the, the key elements of benefits that Gen Z is asking for is personalization. I mean, if you shop on, on Amazon or you even go to the Nike store, you now have the ability to customize the colors mm -hmm. of whatever you purchase, right? Yeah, We've yeah. grown up in a world where extreme personalization and customization is so integral to how we think, and that's how we're treated as consumers. So why not expect the same thing at work? Well, if, if an employer said, okay, instead of giving you benefits, we're going to give you a menu of benefits, right? Mm -hmm. If you decide if you're, if you're under age 26 and you're still on your parents' healthcare plan and you don't have to use healthcare, but the company pays for healthcare for all their staff, why not give Gen Z a salary credit if they don't opt into healthcare? Mm -hmm. You know, what if the Gen Zer is vegan and they want you know, there's a benefit the employer offers is, you know, meal credits or discounts on restaurants. Why not give that person, that vegan, the opportunity to select which types of benefits they receive? Maybe the menu card doesn't have anything or the restaurant card doesn't have any restaurants on it that they enjoy going to. So why not receive an increase in salary instead of opting in for the meal card? So here, here's my thought though. If an employer offers this, this plan, of benefits or this menu, then what Gen Xer is going to say no to that, right? Like, wouldn't, wouldn't you love to also be able to personalize your benefits? There, there's going to be some things that companies do, whether it's policy change or changes in options, that other generations are also going to say, well, that's nice now that I think about it. But it may not be something companies have to or, or are forced to do until they realize their Gen Z staff is going to work at company X instead of their company because of the difference. So you said it on about point number three, um, Gen Z are more open to traditional, to non-traditional, I think, non-traditional education approaches or packages. 
um, than millennials. At a time when recruitment of talent is always a challenge and uh, more thinking that they would like people to arrive, whatever age, to work in their business that have got more of the right skills, but are finding less this is the case for those arriving at a university education. Surely the it's almost like a perfect storm for uh, for companies with Gen Z wanting stability, wanting non-traditional education, that actually if there's an, a match or a, an alignment around cultures, a company can train, educate, shape, nurture a Gen Z to be, you know, a future chief exec. Exactly. You, you've hit the nail on the head. So many companies right now are still caught in this mindset, probably because of millennials, in this mindset of having to recruit all their talent, right? I mean, if you're going to lose someone after six months or a year, then all you can do as a recruiter is try to keep filling the pipeline because of the amount of turnover, right? I mean, I don't think it matters what country you're in or what industry you're in. We're all having challenges with hiring employees. So, I mean, especially after COVID last year. So what I would really urge leaders to do is start thinking about recruitment as creating talent instead of just recruiting talent. And obviously, you know, companies have been trying to solve this problem for many years of developing leaders and, you know, trying to move people from one division to another or try to grow them from entry level into management. But I'm actually asking that we take it a step further. And this is how companies are going to develop a competitive advantage is instead of hiring your four-year college degree applicants, why not hire you know, like you said, Gavin, because they're going to be more loyal, why not hire kids straight out of high school? Why not hire them into jobs where you can develop skill-based training programs in your company? Say it's in computer science or analytics or, you know, whatever your, your key area of need is. Take high potential students and start recruiting them earlier, because if you don't start earlier, they're going to start their own companies. 55% of Gen Z is saying that they either already own their own side hustle or business, or they're going to, that's over half your potential workforce. So, you know, if, if you're trying to get ahead of the curve, you need to stop thinking about hiring people out of college. You need to start getting in front of them earlier, getting them while they're interested in, you know, thinking about where could I work or what industry could I work in and then offer them the opportunity to train them and help them escape the debt of college. And that message is going to resonate. And that's a really powerful message, you know, even even escaping the death of college in its own right. But this kind of like points to only larger companies with deeper pockets, bigger resources are going to be able to tailor training programs. If you're a small business and you've got, I don't know, three, four, five employees, here's here's the response I hear time and time again from people who are running Uh, say up below 10 employee business and they'll say I haven't got the time to hand the required to handhold the college leavers the school leavers what's your what's your response to that this is something I hear all the time too and I'm so glad that you brought it up um, Gavin so let me give an example first so I was speaking with someone just a few days ago who owned a brewery And Uh in the brewery, you know, they have 
they have seasonal staff. They, they have probably five to seven core staff who, you know, brew everything. They, you know, they make the batches of beer, they service the, the customers, they do the billing. And what was fascinating to me about this business owner, he's, you know, a small business owner. He may, you know, maybe his business will grow. Maybe he'll open up multiple locations or maybe he won't. And I got the opportunity to talk to his nephew and his nephew said, you know, I really could go into a four-year degree program. You know, the, the idea of business fascinates me or entrepreneurship, but my uncle has just offered to pay me a full salary. You know, this, this kid's right out of high school or actually, you know, he's in his senior year. So he's about to graduate. Um, he's, he's got another semester left. And he said, you know, I, I really am excited about this opportunity. You know, my uncle will pay me a full salary. I'll get to learn the trade of the brewing process. And my parents have been telling me for years that I don't want to be $80,000 in debt by the time I get out of school. Um, so I think I'll take this opportunity and who knows, you know, maybe I, maybe this challenge, you know, the experience of getting to learn this is going to enable me to one day show him enough of my skill set that he'll sell me the business. You know, this kid, wow. this 18 year old is thinking wow. about this at this point, he's thinking, do I wait, you know, do I go to school for $80,000 or do I have the opportunity to learn a skilled trade and then maybe eventually buy a business? And he's thinking about this at 18. And I would really, really urge small business owners to look in their network. They're, you know, you're, you're, we're not thinking about national or international talent recruitment right now. We're thinking about local. If you're a small business owner, you're usually thinking about local or regional employment for people. And you're thinking, how do I create sustainability in my business? That's and I question, would really yeah. urge you to look right in your network, whether it's family whether it is, you know, um, your, your nephew or your niece's friends and think who is a high potential young person that I could bring under my wing as an apprentice, because we're really returning to the world of apprenticeships and, mm -hmm. and skill-based training being a competitive advantage. And, and I don't care what size your business is. This is the way you have to start thinking about talent or you're going to lose all of the best and brightest Gen Z talent to other companies or to schools. So if you're a, an employer, you're an entrepreneur, you're a baby boomer or a Generation Z, how, how can you help us put ourselves in the shoes of a Gen Z, Generation Z per, um, person and help us better understand your world? This is a very interesting conversation, Gavin, and, and I actually had to coin a term to describe something that will help, you know, other generations get into our shoes. So I'll get the, to that in a second, but first put yourself back in your shoes. Uh, if you're a Gen Xer, think about what it was like to be a teenager, go back to your, your days, you know, you're 13, 14 years old. If you're a boomer, go back to your mid twenties and think about when back to the future came out yeah, right yeah, back yeah, in, in, in the 1980s. And imagine, or, or remember, I should say, I have to imagine, but remember <laughs> when you were back as a, as a teenager, remember how exciting it was to go see that movie, right? I mean, everyone loved Marty McFly. This idea, my parents will tell me all the time, you know, he was, he was a hero of, of their generation because, you know, it, Marty McFly had this huge responsibility in the movie, right? He had the ability to travel through time and to change the events of the, of the future, of the present, of the past by tra traversing these different time zones and time periods. And 
you remember as a kid or as a teenager, I imagine, and my parents will describe this to me, that they, you know, went to school or went and worked their fast food job and they couldn't wait to get home or to the theater to watch this movie, right? To watch Marty McFly through all his adventures. Now fast forward and imagine you're still that teenager, but you're living in the world of Generation Z and you have an enormous responsibility on your hands, just like Marty did. That sense of what if I could travel back in time and change the world through my actions? Well, you know, Gen Z can't travel back in time or future in time, but we have a, a similar sense of this massive responsibility that has been placed into our hands and that's called social media. And the, the sense of not only responsibility, but opportunity that comes with social media is, is very much the, similar to what, you know, the, the, the teenagers of the 80s would have experienced just living life vicariously through Marty McFly. But now you could be a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old, and you no longer have to ask questions like, you know, where, where did those oranges or those peppers in the grocery store come from? What, are, you know, what country was it, were they grown in? You can actually jump on a plane, grab an international internship and go watch the supply chain happening. You know, you can jump on social media. You're, you're an avid, I don't know, car fanatic. And instead of just imagining yourself in those vehicles, you could now actually start a YouTube channel and build your rapport reviewing cars and get invited to international car shows that in the past, no one, unless they had 40 years of experience in the industry could have. So imagine that sense of responsibility in your hands as a teenager and that sense of opportunity and think, what would you do with it? So and also, you know, the example of um, creating your own YouTube channel, reviewing, uh, reviewing cars you've got all the abilities to create the content, your own studio, actually within the, the, the phone that you've got, within the, within the smartphone. Exactly. So, so easy for you to create that channel and to get your own passion out there and, and following engage, engage with. Yeah. Exactly. So you've got the responsibility of you know, owning a business or having a YouTube channel or whatnot in your hands. And you have to think as a Gen Zer, if you've got that amount of responsibility um, on you or that potential, what does that do to a generation? Well, in a lot of ways, it creates a very uh, entrepreneurial and individualistic generation, but it also has some, some negative things that happen. And statistically speaking, our generation has become one of the most narcissistic and anxious generations to this date. So I had to coin this term because I hope with that story, it'll, it'll help you get in this, this brain space. But I coined the term narcissistory because in a sense, you've got the most narcissistic generation. And yes, I know that that sounds terrible and Gen Zers will hate me for calling them all narcissists. But at, at the core of, of the way we've been raised because of social media, we are um, and then you've got this idea of the story or the personal brand that many Gen Zers, and statistically speaking, most Gen Zers are now carrying with them. So if you can imagine the narcissist story as basically someone's reputation manifested through the actions, the fashion choices, the habits, the work, and the personal decisions that a Gen Zer makes, you've got a good picture of how Gen Z thinks. 
So if you kind of visualize it as a diagram where you've got in the center of the narcissist story, and then right above it, you've got work. And to the right, you've got personal acquaintances or connections. You've got influencers in that bubble. You've got fashion choices. All of these things help a Gen Zer define for themselves what they want their life to be. So they're no longer our employers looking at Gen Zers and saying, hey, you know, you employee, come fill this role that I have or come do this task that I have. It's almost Gen Z is flipping this, this on its head. And now company's responsibility is to say, okay, we see you Gen Zers. We see your personal brands on social media. We see your personal interests. And now it's up to us to help you fit that personal brand of yours into our company. Well, it's, just let's it's, pause there a minute. That's that's so you that you'll say we see your personal brand, your personal um, profile on social media, and an employer or entrepreneur would would then say, how can we help co-create? How can we collaborate with you as a personal brand and align interests? Yes, exactly. and that is turning the psychological traditional psychological contract of employer and employee. On its head, and the traditional model was in exchange for some money, I'd like you to provide some time and focus that time on achieving some, you know, some objectives. You, you, and there's that kind of parent child boss, you know, subordinate relationship. What you're saying is these individual Gen Zers are personal brands in their own right, not, not necessarily all of them, but they're personal brands in their own right who are making an active choice about who they want to build, not only a career, but you know, 10 plus years worth of life's work. Let's co-create that together. That's a complete mind shift. Yeah, complete it is. Mind shift. I mean, even thinking back to the example of this, this young man who was thinking about his career in brewing, you know, he's, he's someone, if you're, if you're thinking about hiring the best and brightest talent, you're looking for that person who says, you know, okay, I'm not going to college. I'm going to pursue a skill-based trade. His personal brand, you know, the 18 year old kid's personal brand is he's going to be posting pictures of his experience, getting to learn the science behind brewing and, you know, and, and his experience there, he's going to become his own brand, not only as an employee, but as someone who begins to attract customers to that brewery. So you're really hiring as, as employers. Now you're hiring many personal brands. You're not hiring employees anymore. And, and I do want to provide a disclaimer here to say, not every Gen Zer is thinking about this consciously. You know, not every Gen Zer is sitting down and saying, okay, here's, here's the personal brand I want to portray. And I better make sure all my fashion, you know, reflects this and better make sure all the people I follow reflect this. That's not what's happening. It's most of it is subconscious. You're going to have a few exceptions, but most of this is subconscious. But I, I challenge everyone listening to this podcast, go and find Go, go through your Instagram feeds. You're probably not going to find this on Facebook, but go through your Instagram channel and look for a few Gen Zers who are friends or family. Look at their pages and tell me if you see a theme. Look, look for a theme. I, I bet about 65 to 70%, and don't quote me there statistically, but I bet if you look at, at a broad swath of these Gen Zers pages, you're going to see a theme, whether it's someone being wanting to be portrayed as a culinary artist or someone who wants their brand to be a, um, a farmhand, I've seen that before, or someone who wants their brand to be, they're the very best 
at uh, digital marketing, whatever that is, you're going to start seeing those miniature little brands pop up on social media and it is completely changing the game. So do that, right? If you're, if you're not driving, do that. Go look at some Gen Z profiles and see what you find. Right. So I'm here as a business owner and what I'm seeing, I'm hearing and learning from you is that there's, there's talent, there's resourcefulness, there's energy, but there's loyalty connected with right, engaged right, with the right culture. There's, um, there's commitment, there's loyalty, there's creativity, there's, there's brand advocacy. So that's exciting. And also I look to stand back and when I talk to generation um, X's and baby boomers in business right now, the words that I'm hearing, certainly post um, the pandemic or post lockdowns, not post not quite post pandemic yet, but post lockdowns is jaded, you know, exhausted. For some of those businesses owners, they nearly lost their life work. And certainly for some stages, it felt like they were about to lose a life work. That was incredibly stressful. You layer onto that, you know, changes in work practices, the demands of the the, 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 the constant worry of uncertainty, future lockdowns, success of, um, of vaccines against emerging variants, constant uncertainty and stress that's associated with that, and a lack of holiday, lack of vacation. Um, so I'm, I'm seeing tired, probably prematurely aged as a result of the last 18 right. months, uh, business owners and leaders. So how can they tap into this powerhouse of creativity that, you know, that could be the engine for renewed, for revival, for renewed vigor in the business? I would instantly say, and this is me speaking as a Gen Zer, as someone who does think with this Gen Z mindset of, of creativity and entrepreneurship, I would challenge any business owner who is exhausted and ready to you know, pass the mantle. I would really challenge you to think about Gen Z as your candidate for that mantle, instead of maybe even someone else in your company in you know, a, a right-hand person or, or someone who may be of a similar age. And, and that may come as a surprise, but let me give you a reason. I think so many companies right now who are running on fumes tend to think about succession planning as whoever's paid their tenure you know, paid their dues long enough, they should be the one to really take over. And I wholeheartedly disagree with that. You have an entire generation at your fingertips, again, with that power and responsibility in their hands, who many of uh, of this generation have already started their own businesses. Maybe they have that YouTube channel. Maybe they've started their own Etsy clothing store, but they realize it's getting competitive and it's not sustainable. And they, they, they crave sustainability. They crave stability in, in a company and they want to do something bigger. They want to impact something bigger. They want to join forces with a company like yours. They want to join a team of, you know, five, 10 people who are, who are doing something to change the world for the better. Why not tap into that talent with your next hire? Why not, instead of just passing the mantle to someone within the company, why not go out and seek someone who owns that side business, who's already had experience uh, hustling and bring them this message, you know, bring them the message of 
this is what our company does. We see that you are similar, similarly aligned in your values and beliefs. Would you join forces with us, with our company who's doing, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever that is, and come and, and work with a team and grow your brand here? Because you're going to find that these people, these Gen Zers who are already hustlers in and of themselves are looking, many of, many of them, not all of them, but many of them are looking for something bigger. They're looking for a change as the world of the internet becomes more saturated, but they're also not willing to sacrifice their ability to be creative and independent. And I would say small businesses, you have the biggest opportunity with Gen Z. Gen Z is not looking at at giant corporations, you know, to, to work for, they're tired of, of being seen as a number. They've seen their millennials be treated that way. Their millennial predecessors, they're looking for something where they feel heard and challenged, but where they also have stability, which entrepreneurship often doesn't provide as, as you and I know, Gavin, there's, there's ups and downs and ebbs and flows. So if I were to call out to that exhausted business owner, I would say, start looking for your succession planning solution in a Gen Zer and bring them under your wing and, and treat them well and apprentice them and, and, and help them learn, but also harness the power of their bright eyes, harness the power of their inexperience. And you will find that, that your business, as long as you find the right Gen Zer, your business is going to quickly evolve in ways that you never saw possible and where you may, you may find yourself escaping from that exhaustion faster than you thought. Hey, Gavin here. I love that quote from Hannah, harness the power of their inexperience. You know, there's many a comment and discussion takes place in companies all over the globe around how difficult it is to get the right caliber of uh, team members, you know, employ the right people. The phrase that used to be used a lot was about the war on talent. How do we get enough talent? Well, how about we build talent? Why don't we build talent from the ground up? And if we harness that energy that Gen Z, Generation Z have, and their inexperience could also translate into desire and ability to to learn, curiosity uh, that will keep them sharp, desire to master uh, a skill, something that people in their 20s and early 30s have that is seen, it's much less commonplace in people in their late 50s and their late 60s. So, yeah, I think there's a, there's there's real wisdom in that idea about harnessing the power of that inexperience, harnessing that energy, and start to build the talent from within. Also, when it comes to succession, you know, what are your options as a business owner and founder? You you sell the business, you you pass it over to your team. You know, you do management buyout, um, or you, um, you you pass it down into your family. Often, place the your children are not that interested in the business. If, you know, if interested at all. Or thirdly, it withers on the vine and ends up being clo- closing. And many business owners that think they want to retire and sell up have left it too late to build strong second tier management that will be able to run that business when they're not there and grow that business when they're not there so start early with that succession planning and the other thing is you know when you talk to business owners when they're selling their business at the point of retirement they're interested predominantly in two things Um, one is their legacy 
and the second is that their team, the staff are being looked after. Yes, of course, price is an important component, but in terms of the qualitative factors, legacy and the team, how well they're going to be looked after once they've gone is massively important. Well, if you've built that team, you've harnessed the energy and the creativity and the capability of the people in your business so that they are able to take that business over, that they are investable so that they can do a management buyout, that is one heck of a legacy and of course the team is then being looked after and who better to run the business than those that have run it successfully with the right skills and capability for years. So I don't want to be too idealistic here in terms of obviously there are things about about Generation Z that that we're all going to have to deal with that are, are cons. Hey, Hannah, you know, you're, we- you're, you're making you guys out to be superhuman, this right? <laughs> You know, that, that is definitely not the case. There are some, there are some Gen Zers who I would certainly consider superhuman, who I've had the pleasure of meeting, but I, I do want to say that all the things we've discussed today can either be incredible pros or they can be incredible cons. And we have to be aware of that as business owners. I mean, to take one example of the narcissist story, you can hire an extremely intelligent, narcissistic Gen Zer who is very independent and focused and, and takes initiative Guess what the opposite of that is? They're also not great team players. You know, they're very individualistic. I'm going to ask you that because success in many endeavor um, Mm -hmm. is down through to to teams, isn't it? No one person can display all the skills and experience in order to, to get a job done in our incredibly complex and interconnected world. So success comes as a result of teamwork. So how do you best engage a gen Zia, a generation, gosh, you've got me speaking all American now, a Gen, a gen <laughs> Zia um, to work and be a proactive, a productive part of a team, member of a team. This is probably going to be one of the biggest downfalls of Gen Z. So my first recommendation is when you hire a Gen Zer, you need to call this out in them. Every, not every Gen Zer is going to exhibit these behaviors. Obviously, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things that has been uh, generationally, uh, statistically, it's generationally pretty broad that we exhibit these individual individualistic behaviors, but obviously it's not every one of us. So I would say, you know, sit your Gen Zer down that first week and say, hey, you know, h- how do you like to be communicated with? What types of work do you lean toward? And as a manager, how can I support you? And through that conversation, you're going to quickly find out if, if they start saying things like, I really want, you know, I, I prefer my head in deep work. I prefer the door closed. You know, I really, I really just want to work on my own and knock things out. If you start hearing terms like that, as a manager, it's your responsibility to call that out and say, you know what? I really appreciate how hard you work as an individual. And I'm excited to see how we can really, you know, use that as a benefit to the company and to see what you can contribute. But I want to caution you that many of the projects we do are as a team, and it's really important that we all pull our own weight, but that we also collaborate and and discuss things. Because what you'll find is the reason Gen Zers are disenchanted with this idea of of team projects is often because the, the time is wasted, right? It's not well spent when a team is sitting together around a table and they're, you know, inefficiently do maybe, you know, one person's pulling more weight than the others and Gen Zers are going to call that out. So teams are going to have to be focused for Gen Z to help us see the benefit of them. And managers are going to have to call out the individualism and say, 
you know, I appreciate when you work on this as an individual, but we need to slow down for a second. We need to talk about this as a team and we need to, uh, we need to collaborate on team goals um, instead, of, instead of individual ones. The second practical tip that I would give here is I think few companies do a good job of incentivizing uh, performance based on team results mm, instead so of individual results. You know, you think about a sales team and mm -hmm. most companies have individual compensation um, strategies versus having team compensation strategies. And obviously there's some nuances there that we have to be careful of with Gen Z because again, you don't want someone pulling more weight than another and then to feel um, devalued. But that, that would be a conversation I would have as a leader with your team is how do we incentivize group performance, um, whether it's through uh, compensation or whether it's through simply having honest dialogue with our Gen Zers about that problem. This, you've, your research um, is, is, is obviously very thorough, very deep. Your ability to articulate, but more than articulate, your ability to translate it to the help those of us of an older generation to be able to fully appreciate the different perspective. I genuinely have not heard of anybody being able to, whether it be about any of the generations, be able to clearly lay it out with strong, relatable analogies and metaphors as you've done, Hannah. And I'm so glad that you've invested your life's work to this date in researching and writing the um, A Leader's Guide to Unlocking Gen Z, because um, I don't know about you, anybody listening to this, but I'm evidently being really engaged and fascinated by this, this conversation. So Hannah, thank you so much. Absolutely. I, I love having this. And I think the more we can have intergenerational dialogue about this, the more you know, improvements businesses will see. Um, I, I can't imagine though, Gavin, that most people listening to this are thinking, you know, wow, there's so many things to unpack about Gen Z, you know, where in the world do I start? And I would, I, I've, I've heard this question so many times that I've actually developed a, what I call a pulse check. Just stop um, you right now. This is, I'm loving this, Hannah. Sorry. I would normally ask at this point for a guest of mine to say, so how do people find out about it? You're such a natural pro. You queue up the link yourself, but already you're about to tell everybody <laughs> with a call to action. So carry on, Hannah. Hey, I'm just a Gen Zer. I'm just doing my job. We have we have to be good at self-promotion and marketing when we're business. And your personal owners. brand. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> But um, so leaders are coming to me and saying, you know, where do I start? And, and the answer is never one, you know, there's never one step because every business is different. So I developed a pulse check assessment where I've actually developed a specific page for everybody listening to this podcast to go to. So you can go to my website. It's hannahgwilliams.com forward slash mastermind. And if you just go to that, uh, that URL, I have that pulse check assessment on there where you can answer a few questions. It's not going to be in depth because that's, you know, that's a much more com comprehensive process, but you can get, you know, gauge in a few minutes, what your uh, business's key areas of need are. And I would highly recommend, I mean, the reason I had to write this book, well, I mean, I love writing, but I hate it sometimes. Um, but the reason I had to write this book is because so many leaders were asking me that question of where do I start and what is the next actionable step? 
So when this book comes out and, and, and readers can read it, I actually wrote it in such a way where every single chapter has action items at the end of it. So not only do you read about Gen Z, you can take a specific action, whether it's you yourself or with your team, to, to make an improvement on your recruitment strategy or your retention strategy or your leadership. And I've actually seen companies who are already telling me they plan to use it as a guide for their team to spend 29 weeks going through this. So every you know, Monday or Tuesday, they'll sit down with the team. Everyone will have read the chapter at that point. So you know, if there's 20 people on the team, they all are going to use this guidebook, they're going to read the chapter, and then they're going to come and discuss it and do the action items once a week. And that will help them build strategies that actually make a difference for their Gen Z talent. So I, if that's helpful to anyone, you know, you can use this as a guide and, and really a tool that you can pull off the shelf anytime, learn something about Gen Z in a few minutes, or you can take the second step and really take action on each of the critical areas. Amazing. What's the generation going to be after Gen Z? Well, what well I mean, they what, what's just the name? Pointed generation Alpha. <laughs> I, right. I don't know if that will stick. Okay. And uh, have you made any observations yet about any shifts and changes between Gen Z and Alpha, or is it too, too early yet? I think it's too early. They're too young. You know, you think about Gen Alpha is technically, they're still deciding to cut off again, but it's like 10 years old and under. So... We still have a lot to learn about them. I'm sure there will be some sort of book or you know, report on consumer behavior because we see younger and younger children are beginning to decide the household purchases. Um, but you know, in, in terms of workplace research, that we still have a ways to go. Oh, I had an amazing conversation. You're a real talent. And uh, I am sure you've... Um, the point you made earlier on, actually, when you said that um, you know, harness the energy um, of the Gen Zs um, and it will help to reinvigorate sort of the sparkle in the eye. I think words to that effect of, of the baby boomer owner or the Gen X owner. I'm sure that probably had created an emotional response, you know, a, a heartwarming response for a number of people listening to this conversation. Hannah Williams, thank you so much for your time and, and joining us on the Business Mastermind podcast. Thank you, Gavin. We'll, we'll make business better one step at a time. You've been listening to the Business Mastermind podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms, enjoy more success and create more impact.